Today's guest on my Best Life podcast is Michael Prosserman, aka B-Boy Pieces, founder of Unity Charity that just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. Unity uses hip-hop to improve young people's lives, creating healthier communities across Canada. This is my Best Life podcast. Welcome to my Best Life podcast with Flavia Abadia. We are a new inspirational and motivational podcast featuring people with positive mindsets achieving tremendous things with tips, advice, and life lessons to help you live your best life. Today's episode is brought to you by Crossrope, the highest quality jump rope system on the planet. Get in the best shape of your life today by going to crossrope.com slash mybestlife and using the discount code mybestlife at checkout for 10% off your order. Hello and welcome to My Best Life podcast. My name is Flavia Abadia and today's guest is Mike Prosserman, aka B-Boy Pieces. He's the founder of Unity Charity, which helps empower youth in underserved communities by using hip hop. So welcome. Thank you. First, tell us how you got into b-boying. Yeah, so I mean, it started when I was around 12 years old and uh, dance for me was pretty much my outlet for everything that was going on in my life. And Mm -hmm. I found this class actually, well, first, even rewinding previous to that, I uh, saw this guy like sort of do this spin move on his hands and I'm like holy crap I need to do that Mm -hmm. and when I saw it it was actually the Boogie Brats now looking back they're like a famous Canadian or international crew Mm -hmm. but at the time I just was at like a bar mitzvah and I saw this guy do this thing and I'm like oh my god Mm -hmm. I need to learn how to do this move right Mm -hmm. and I used to walk around my house on my hands I would do like gymnastics stuff okay just super random weird kid and when I saw breaking, I'm like, I need that. So I started trying to learn. And this is like before the YouTube days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like literally breakdance.com text descriptions of like how oh, to do moves. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There was no videos. Okay. So I, I don't know if you can rewind back to that. Like, time, like how would it say, like, I don't know, put your hand on the floor, dig your elbow into your hip yeah i guess i wish it was that accurate but it was like they were made up moves at times like the ninja flip okay like i think anyone could add moves to it so it was like kind of made up at times and then the moves that you'd want to learn like they just didn't make sense by text and like okay there was no internet bandwidth to like do the video stuff so yeah, yeah it was uh interesting at best yeah because that's when internet was starting <laughs> yeah like right? in like 2000 like 1999 yeah. that time and then yeah youtube wasn't even a thing at that time uh but then i found a class uh so benzo from bag of tricks taught a class okay. at uh what was randolph at Young and Wellesley and okay. I'd go every Saturday and learn from Benzo who became kind of a mentor to me and like a teacher but also just a part of like brought me into the scene you know mm-hmm. and brought me to parties and jams and like I wasn't of age so like yeah my dad would come to jams and like sneak me in with okay so would be at the door like that's cool he's good you have a <laughs> you know? cool dad my dad's cool like well, my parents wouldn't do that <laughs> really yeah no he's kind of like been the b-boy dad like okay before now a lot of parents show up to jams mm-hmm. but like back in the day like people didn't their parents just didn't support it um and still that's true for many people but mm-hmm. uh, i find there's like a lot more parents now and one of the guys in my crew jokes that like my dad made it okay for parents to come, so he made it like super less cool <laughs> to be at these jams. But okay. my dad's mad cool, and like he sort of at that time because he was the only dad there, everyone almost felt like they were like he was their dad in a sense. Okay. So and he was like always wearing like a graffiti pieces hat and like okay, he was just really supportive and it was cool. And oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be doing all of this stuff if he didn't encourage me or even mm-hmm. allow me to do this stuff. So. Yeah, I'm pretty thankful to have had him, which is kind of unique because <clears throat> that's not usually the case when it comes to breaking specifically. Like usually yeah. parents are like, 
what are you doing with your life? You I know? know, like, stop doing this, get into school or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just always said to follow my passion and like do what I love. And mm-hmm. that's sort of what led me down that path. And yeah, I'm really thankful to have had him as a, as a mentor. Nice. Yeah. So how did you even come up with the thought of Unity Charity? Yeah, so I mean, Unity is kind of like the mix of my own personal story and Mm -hmm. just sort of all the things that I was passionate about in life. So taking dance, like breaking and hip hop, uh, you know, mental health and just being part of a community and Mm -hmm. feeling like you have a positive way to express your stress, which breaking was for me in my life and just wanting to do something that wasn't just business you know like it was business in the terms of how like i organize something excuse me and like i'm part of it and i create it but i'm not it's for the good not for like yeah not for profit and capitalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> lack of a better word so i yeah. took this like sort of entrepreneurial spirit my passion for breaking and hip-hop and uh my sort of concern about mental health issues okay. and like smushed it all into one thing which became unity Nice. So can you explain for those who don't know what Unity Charity is, like what you guys do, your programs? Yeah. So Unity uses hip hop with the goal of improving young people's lives and helping them create healthier communities. And what that means is essentially we use the elements of hip hop. So breaking, emceeing, graffiti, uh, and even some of the side elements like beatboxing, DJing. Well, DJing is one. But uh, to empower young people with the tools to build confidence but also become part of a community and have a voice that's bigger than them uh, or a voice that's bigger than what they previously had when maybe they didn't have something that they were like recognized positively for Mm -hmm. they were always you know looking for something and hip-hop became that thing so hip-hop can be a very empowering tool because it doesn't cost anything to be involved in it Uh, all you need is your body and at most like a pen and a piece of paper um, or some paint and to me that's why like i think i resonated most with Mm -hmm. hip-hop is because it doesn't matter what your story is it's sort of this place where you can all come together and deal with whatever you're going through without having to necessarily talk about it you know it's this like expression that is and this community that's bigger than any one person Mm -hmm. so yeah we use hip-hop as a tool to empower young people build confidence and essentially build resilience uh now more specifically where our focus is on something we're calling mental health through the back door so we're not Mm -hmm. calling it a hip-hop mental health program but a lot of the things that build resilience in youth uh age 12 to 24 uh, who are living in underserved communities a lot of the things that build resilience in young people are actually embedded in what hip-hop culture already is so we don't even really have to change all that much to address or build resilience in Mm -hmm. young people we just have to acknowledge it and the facilitators who we train are now using a new lens where they they're seeing the impact that they're having and realizing hey if i do more sort of self-reflection as part of what we're doing or if i lead by example through my own body language then young people will actually be taking that in and that's actually like proven to make a difference in young people's resilience if they see positive role modeling or uh, people who they look up to uh, making positive choices or even speaking positively about themselves. Mm-hmm. This is all stuff that sort of reflects in their future life and the way they respond to difficult situations. So uh, we're learning a lot about how hip hop can build resilience in young people. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of jumped all over the place, but essentially we, uh, to answer your other question, we provide free programs for young people 12 to 24 in underserved communities across Canada. So we have about anywhere between 25 and 30 weekly programs happening at one time. Okay. So today's Friday. We probably have three or four happening after school today. Um, We have two streams of programming. So one stream is called Inspire and the other stream is called Engage. And Inspire is kind of like our awareness building program where we do like a day long take over a day of school it's called oh okay cool yeah it's called a unity day and we do workshops and performances and share our personal stories in the school setting nice and it's kind of to promote our ongoing programs and Mm -hmm. then our engaged programs are like our weekly 
sort of drop-ins where young people come back mm-hmm. week after week, even year after year, to sort of learn how to dance or do spoken word or you know yeah. do one of the art forms that we teach. And uh, yeah, so they're kind of two different streams that are interconnected. And then often young people come back as staff or as artists who mm-hmm. teach with us, like as they become alumni as well. Uh, and we're also pretty proud that although it's not our mission to be an artistic organization, mm-hmm. we do hire the best hip-hop artists in the country to facilitate the programs so you're giving careers to people who are passionate about this yeah and and paid opportunities oftentimes especially with the young and emerging artists this might be their first time getting paid as an artist Mm -hmm. and they're realizing that they can sort of supplement their income to be able to like be an artist you know yeah Uh, we call it artist educator because Mm -hmm. they're not just artists you know promoting their art form they're actually educating young people and understanding the responsibility that that takes to like take it a step beyond just art like their art form you know yeah so yeah that's I mean in some senses that's an essence of like what we do and what fuels the organization Um, but it's really every individual Mm -hmm. like every individual who's in unity sort of fuels the ship in the sense that without any one person we would be a different organization and what i mean by that is like every staff member they might work uh, you know have their own artistic production that they do but they bring their expertise of event planning or artist management or even finance and accounting but when they come to unity it all gets contributed into this central sort of vision or set of values so it's pretty cool like our team is it's pretty amazing like that's cool proud of them yeah it's awesome yeah and it's taken a long time to build that like it started as a volunteer group in my basement and okay how did you start like because now it's across canada you know you have all these programs but how did how did you initially start it yeah so it was originally just a show that i did in my high school it's actually high school class project where oh, okay yeah the teacher in my entrepreneurship class he his name is mr izumi okay and he uh gave us this project to like essentially create a venture mm-hmm. like a business venture that gives back to a charity so okay i got our group together uh i remember it was like bobby ryan and uh can't remember who the third member is maybe luke yeah luke I don't think he showed up that much but okay. either way it was us four and we were brainstorming what we wanted to do and we came up with this idea called uh hip-hop away from violence which was a show that would promote um alternatives to violence through using art hip-hop and music okay so the first year we ran it in our cafeteria at the school and it was kind of like a little bit of a bomb like didn't go that well people so were like, it was just a performance it was a performance oh, okay. and like i'd invite some people who were willing to perform for free and okay we weren't completely clear what the message was the first year where like i think just the idea of hip-hop and anti-violence was sort of the theme but mm-hmm. i don't think we communicated it as well nor did we promote the show properly or you know did people really know what was going on so we did okay but sorry we also didn't know if like what we were really doing at that time so then the next year we're like okay it's a good idea but we're not really hitting it mm-hmm. let's organize this with more thought and more resources and more like we know it's a good idea but we need more yeah right so we in grade 12 for me i joined student council and became the president of student council and then like directed all the resources from student council that year <laughs> To running this event and making it okay. awesome which so no money for anything else just <laughs> no money for no, anything else but we made it happen okay yeah it was a good production mm-hmm. but we also made sure like the the artists who came out uh we asked them if they were willing to volunteer like i literally google searched just random artists across the city and just called them and said hey would you be willing to perform for this concert or whatever cool. and that one was a huge success and that's when i knew like it went from like this isn't a good idea and we kind of didn't do a great job to mm-hmm. like this is a good idea and we saw the power that it could really have when mm-hmm. when it came out so the second year was a huge success and we decided to build off that success and really the success was just like 
young people were really listening and paying attention to these messages that were much better crafted in the second year yeah. and it was all done through hip-hop okay yeah so and we also donated the chair um, the proceeds from the event that were raised to a charity called leave out violence who okay i later joined their board of directors and that's when i started to learn what a nonprofit was and i'm like hmm maybe one day we should like make a nonprofit and okay take this thing you know across canada uh cool yeah so that's where it kind of sparked but i sat on the board of love that's what the name of the organ like the yeah. acronym leave out violence mm -hmm. for about three years before i decided to actually say okay we're gonna register this thing and like take it to the next level okay so once you registered it did you start with like one program for no so we were the reason we actually decided to register and a lot of people ask me this question like there's so many people trying to start nonprofits and organizations and mm -hmm. even businesses sometimes. Um, and they're like, should I register a nonprofit? Should I register a charity? And what I tell them is just like our story, which is essentially it took us like almost six years, five, six years until we actually registered a nonprofit. So okay. we went through every form of registration before becoming a nonprofit. We were an unregistered group okay <laughs> we were a student club at york university so we actually had a bank account at york oh, okay we were unity at york we were a program of another charity so we actually became a program of leave out violence while i was sitting on okay. their board we became a trustee or we became trusteed by a another charity which essentially means the phoenix community works foundation used their charitable number to sort of uh, accept donations on Unity's behalf. Okay. Um, and then we finally registered a nonprofit. So okay. like we literally did everything you could possibly yeah. do. And then we became a nonprofit when we knew that we were doing enough work and we were seeing enough impact that we're like, I think it's time to become our own entity. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is we were probably doing like 15 schools, like Oh, we wow. sort of evolved the program. So the program wasn't just a performance now. It was like a performance where students from those individual schools would perform in the show with us. Okay. So we would bring like professional artists. We were also kids at the time. Mm -hmm. We called them professionals, but we were also just high school students. Yeah. And we would bring sort of our messaging and our stories and share our personal stories while mm -hmm. before and after performing. But then we would have had the school prepare a show in advance. So... The students from the school would organize a committee that would plan uh, a performance or several performances with messages that are relevant to their particular school and okay. they'd perform them in between our performances okay yeah and it just kept evolving so we did that in about 14 15 schools it grew from like one to two to five to ten etc and then we started doing workshops so then we're like oh it doesn't have to just be a performance where we're inspiring but actually we can work one-on-one -on -one with young people or in a classroom setting. So we started doing workshops, then we started doing after school programs, then we started doing like community drop-ins where yeah. young people can come. So it just like evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved. And then it's kind of like what it became today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really like, did I plan this or did I like think it was going to be this way? Absolutely not. It was just like, we just put ourselves out there and kept following a thing that was working and then moving in this like general direction i always say building the plane while flying it like okay <laughs> that's my little okay yeah. yeah it's like my little like metaphor That'd be scary if it's a, like literal like here what well, is scary yeah. yeah you're kind of building it and you're like should i get a job uh shoot i don't know but at the yeah. same time you know it's working mm -hmm. but it's scary because like day to day you don't know if you're gonna have enough money to pay people or if like you're going to do something that you shouldn't do because you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just making it up. Yeah. But you're just kind of doing it and you're learning very quickly and like making mistakes. Like we've made a lot of silly mistakes, but mm -hmm. I think because we were self-taught and we didn't have like professionals, like nonprofit professionals, yeah. which like, you know, exist. Uh, we were just kids making this stuff up and like we had a vision and a dream and we wanted to see it happen. So we just did whatever it took to like, figure it out we're like oh you can get your name on a uh, you can get your organization on a billboard cool how do we do that 
go to clear channel ask them to donate ad space get a designer who's a friend of ours to design the space all of a sudden we have ads on billboards for free or like that's sick you know how do you evaluate the impact of your programs so we'd meet mentors who would you know give the, give us their time and say like really develop a lot of mentorship relationships where they would mm-hmm. sort of see them their younger selves and us and be like hey one time i was trying to figure this out and we really don't know what we're doing so a lot of people were willing to offer their time okay as mentors and consultants and we were very coachable mm-hmm. like i would always try to meet people who would give us advice so whether it was an hr professional board of directors accountants lawyers like school board trustees mm-hmm. evaluation people like i just would like tap into this network of random people who i just met through other random people yeah it's like this spider web network of, of yeah. people and now the network is, is 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 quite large so yeah i think the most valuable thing i ever did was just meeting people all the time okay in 30 minute increments i mean even this like like having meetings back to back back to back sometimes i would yeah actually back to back okay (laughs) yeah back to back which also was the source of a burnout episode i had oh because i didn't take care of myself but aside from that the positive side to it is we developed like a network of people Mm -hmm. from all walks of life all expertise ages backgrounds and they contributed you know whether they contributed one idea or like volunteered for an entire Mm -hmm. project so we we've had a lot of people or we never work with them at all but we we were aware that they existed because i had a 30 minute meeting to know who runs volunteer toronto or who runs you know some of the other big arts organizations in the city so Mm -hmm. these are sort of the things i do just to like create this interconnected web of things and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we need to do something like run a festival and we know you know someone who, who built stages yeah. and someone who you know can uh, load in and out a truck who does that for mm-hmm. their job or like there's so many random skills yeah right? yeah and what's the biggest lesson you you've learned so far in this journey um there's a lot i would say just always having fun you know mm-hmm. uh that's kind of one of the reasons i'm not necessarily leaving but actually kind of like i'm getting You're a bit stepping down from unity now bored yeah, yeah like I, i'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again okay. and it's easy and it's comfortable but usually like the easy thing is the wrong thing and Mm -hmm. that's something my dad always said to me and i was like yeah this feels like that thing coming to life this idea that like if it's easy it's probably wrong so i pushed myself to say i'm not really doing like as much as i used to innovating or creating it was just really following now the yearly annual calendar that i know is kind of predictable so i was like Mm -hmm. you know what think i have to make a change you know and Mm -hmm. i did it in september i told our board chair that i was stepping down and then we subsequently announced it to the board and then to the staff and then to the artists and then did this whole public announcement and yeah i've never felt better like i i'm scared honestly because i don't have a job after this but i know it's the right thing and anytime i put myself in an uncomfortable situation uh with you know some level of logic Mm -hmm. uh i would work my way out of it right so i i believe that the same will be true for this and i'm just trusting in like the universe to catch me but it's scary like it's intense to my you know i'm my whole identity is connected to this thing right yeah because it, it was the 10 year anniversary last year or, yeah, yeah technically 10 as mm-hmm. a charity but yeah the high school days that... go back to 2003 so almost 15 years to, wow. like, unofficially so it's kind of like i haven't done anything else in my working life yeah i guess did you ever have a job in high school like i, I worked for a marketing company for okay. a bit i worked uh at an office job as well but like 
I knew I didn't want to do that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Like I was selling cell phones in malls and I was just okay. like, I was really good at it. Like yeah. good at it, like getting the emails and like sometimes I would be like really inappropriately saying like if someone asked my opinion, I mm-hmm. wouldn't lie to them. I'd be like, like they're like, would you use it? I'm like, probably not. But <laughs> I think it's kind of cool still. And then they'd end up buying it because I was honest, not even though I told them that I didn't think the product was good. I'm like, this job is so weird. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. There was a video phone. I remember they were selling a video phone that before, like, obviously now there were cameras, cameras um, on yeah. phones. It was literally a phone that you could video, but you could only video another person who had the video phone. Oh, and I'm okay. just like, this is completely silly. Like, it makes no sense. Like, yeah. you actually have to buy two of these phones in order to use it, and it, and the, the quality was terrible. Yeah, cameras back then, yeah, on phones were pretty bad. Yeah, but they even had those little cameras. But for some reason, this camera could only connect to the camera of the exact same phone. Okay. And it bombed. Like, it flopped. And they were. this was the thing I was promoting for, yeah. like, pretty much a year. And it was just bad. I'm like, this, like, legit makes no sense. But, like, go into the store and find something else that you like, like... And I was demoing this thing, and I'm like, this is so, it's, like, so heart-sucking and, like, soul-sucking. Yeah. So I knew I could be good at that type of stuff, but I'm like, okay, I got to do my own thing and sort of step up and, you know, go through all the motions of, like, learning. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, I'm going to be stuck in some job where I just would be great at it, but I would hate it. And I hated it. I hated waking up. I hated all that you know getting to the door and now you know i love what i do yeah so it's really weird to leave it because i'm like it's perfect <laughs> well you followed your passion and did unity it's always there you can go yes, back it to, will always oh, be there yeah but i don't want to get in the way you know yeah yeah so it's like now i'm trying to find like the right like well not yet but as time passes like what's mm-hmm. my right involvement versus like I don't want to cast a shadow because naturally people are like, Mikey, what do you think? And I'm like, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good that you're letting it grow, letting people have like autonomy and like leadership and make it grow without you managing everything. Yeah, it's it's tough to let it go, but letting it go Mm -hmm. is a big part of it. Uh, Like my therapist, gave me this article or this poem about this like bow and arrow and like you sort of pull back the arrow with mm-hmm. the bow and then you like let it go and then once you let it go you can't control yeah. like you can aim it mm-hmm. you can sort of pull it back the right way and like get it all finagled until it's like what you think will be the best thing but then once you let it go you can't like run after it or like maneuver it it's already gone so you just have to like trust that everything you did to like set it up is like the right thing so and it's also this idea that like parents don't own their kids yeah they, i've heard that analogy yeah used, they have yeah. their kids but they don't own them uh, as much as some parents want to own the mm-hmm. decisions of their kids the kids have to make their own decisions so i look at it like a parent and i'm like this is my baby and it's yeah. going to university or something so yeah Go ahead. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You'll make bad decisions, but you'll learn from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone. I made terrible decisions, mm-hmm. but I learned from it. So yeah. why would it be any different for this? Right. And also what it took to build unity is not what it's going to take to maintain it. Yeah. Or even take it in a new direction. It's they're completely different things. Like, you know, we just hired a new person. Her name's Rebecca Harrison and she's amazing. And I'm really confident she's going to do great because she has everything it takes to to run an organization like Unity. Um, And it's very different than when we were growing it. It's not the same monster, right? Mm -hmm. We were just kids. Now we're like adults, whether we want to be or not, you know? Yeah. So she's got all of the things we need to to keep keep the ship going. And and the team, like it's not even really just her. It's our team is amazing so mm-hmm. everyone sort of holds up their individual uh part of the ship so that it balances and you know 
with that, uh, you know, and the people in Unity, I'm confident it'll live on in in whatever way it was meant to. Mm-hmm. You know? And if it doesn't, like, you know, I hope it does. But if it doesn't, it wasn't meant to be either. You know, and accepting things end too eventually. But right now, it's set up to succeed. So yeah, yeah, because you have the after school programs, the community programs. You have people giving their time and also their money to help you or help the organization run so yeah 100 yeah. no it, it's it's well set up i've done everything i yeah. could possibly do to set it up for success mm-hmm. like really even kind of crazy things like pulling out life insurance policies that if one day i died that unity would get a big donation knock on wood but okay yeah no i'm crazy a little bit okay <laughs> but we're good unity will be yeah. fine yeah. yeah it will be okay mm-hmm. yes and now do you have any idea what you want to do like what are your passions where do you want to go with life uh i know what i'm passionate about like i'm really interested in doing better in the mental health sector okay whatever that means around helping people access the care that they need helping people um you know have spaces where they can talk about this stuff not just on Mm -hmm. like a public broadcast or a corporate you know campaign but actually like have conversations about it you know okay. not just retweet something but actually say hey like i'm dealing with anxiety mm. and like i'm learning that friends around me are dealing with it too and being able to actually feel like i'm supported by just feeling okay to like talk about it you know versus mm. saying oh i'm sick i'm gonna miss a week of work i have a cold but it's like i don't have a cold i have anxiety and that's why i'm missing work you know and like Mm -hmm. then i can spark a conversation with three of our employees who might be going through the same thing and all of a sudden you know we feel like we're more safe even working at a place like unity because we know that Mm -hmm. we take that stuff seriously um so i'm really unity aside interested in starting new conversations around mental health um i'm also interested in like the potential for arts to have an impact in the world so like beyond just arts for the sake of arts which i completely appreciate and Mm -hmm. you know i love going to theater shows and you know dance events and whatnot Mm -hmm. but like actually creating a movement of like arts for impact and like okay whether that's in education healthcare, um mental health uh, taking the idea that you know arts can impact people's lives uh, in a significant way, sometimes more than we give it credit for, because mm-hmm. you know there's not a lot of randomized controlled trial studies that show the connection between dance and therapy or dance and you know. Yeah, I guess there's some for music, like music and the brain and music and therapy. There are, yeah. um, there are for mm-hmm. sure. But I think there's a lot of work to be done to push that agenda because sure. it's so evident yeah. through yeah. things I've seen and people I've met that, you know, arts and dance and these things can create such a powerful community for people and such an important part of their healing yeah. in whatever they're going through. Yeah, for sure. But sometimes it's not even considered. It's like the side product. It's like, okay, the last thing we're going to do is this. And I get it. Like what bleeds you know reads and you gotta you know put your attention to where things are first but i think like or what's the most in your face but i think people are starting to realize that like prevention is a thing Mm -hmm. and like there are things that can prevent you from getting to the point where you need to get cut open because you know you have this disease or that uh sort of problem yeah so that is my big sort of mission is to like figure out a way to take you know the mental health conversation and the arts and sort of bring it together with all those sort of contacts and excuse me people and partners and even amazing staff that i've met along the way mm-hmm. who like i know can like contribute to this vision so uh, that's one idea i have like 20 ideas okay but i don't want to give them all away on a podcast yeah i know people might steal them yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no i'm just kidding i think even if someone does steal it then it'll exist in the world which would be a good thing Mm -hmm. sometimes we keep our ideas to ourselves and then never like share them but that sort of open source 
sharing of ideas mm-hmm. is actually what makes real change. So I actually do take that back. I do believe okay. sharing your ideas really brings them into reality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people keep their ideas forever to themselves and don't realize that's actually not solving the problem that we're trying to solve. Yeah, it, de- it depends what the idea is. If it's, I think if it's something to help people, then you should share it as much as possible. If it's like a product you're creating and you're developing it, then you don't share that until it's more developed. Yeah, true. But 100%. Like, yeah, in the business context, yeah. doesn't necessarily make sense. But mm-hmm. in like the nonprofit context or like the trying to make a difference in the world, definitely the latter. Yeah. And I, But even pushing that further, like in a business context, I believe that like corporations or companies should come together to like, whether it's through their business or through their charitable giving, ideally through their business, more like Dove or like, Unilever the way they lead through by example through their actual products Um, but let's say it's not through their business but their charitable contributions come together to actually make that real impact versus Mm -hmm. try to quantify something that's not really measurable and just so they can look sort of look good to someone above them trying to create this metric that they're measuring social impact but really just like bring people together who are doing this stuff let them come together and come up with these ideas that they're already have experience doing mm-hmm. versus trying to like say we're gonna reform education in the u.s and like use like a sort of tech model to implement a social program you know okay so like i would strongly encourage people who you know want to get involved in philanthropy or giving mm-hmm. to consult the community as experts not their experience as in scaling businesses or whatever you know yeah for sure the more grassroots you can make something then the better because also the people on the floor like have the knowledge yeah it's it's if it's for someone that someone should be involved Mm -hmm. um but we forget that when you know we're living in a corporate boardroom and we're sort of fueled by decisions that are you know maybe not really what's for community but Mm -hmm. what's best for that business or even that individual's ego might get in the way so just acknowledging these things i think is the first step in saying okay let's have a conversation about this we're not pointing fingers it's more like by talking about it we can acknowledge it and by acknowledging it we can do something about it and to me that's like the step to actually making an impact because sometimes people think that money just makes a difference and it doesn't Mm -hmm. always in fact you know any effort has a positive and negative effect so if you put something out into the world it has a chance of having a negative effect even if it had an intended positive effect okay and we don't think about that often you know the responsibility that we have when working with communities um from all angles not just funders but like Mm -hmm. you know any action has a reaction and uh, you know just because our intentions are good doesn't mean the outcomes will be good. Um, I'm not saying that to scare people away from doing mm-hmm. good stuff, but to just think twice, just like consult a couple more people in the community before you move forward with something to involve people on your team from that community to, you know, really make sure that and check in on a continuous basis that it's not causing that negative impact, uh, that it's actually benefiting. Uh, and if it is, then change or stop or, mm-hmm. you know, just most people don't have that self-critical lens and they just like, it, I'm trying to do my best and trying to do something good. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. And like, no matter what, this is what it is, you know, and it's it's just yeah. a very dangerous sort of place to start from. Um, but again, not to discourage anyone. It's just put that second thought before yeah. doing something good, you know. So reflection and self-awareness. Self-awareness, always checking in, like checking in with yourself, but checking in with the people around you. Like, is this good? And even be willing to stop, you know? Like, I think that's the thing that nonprofits are like kind of never going to really do, unfortunately. But like know when to close shop when either their mission is satisfied and they're done and they actually 20 years ago set out to solve this problem and they solved it Mm -hmm. then 
you know, the whole point of nonprofits is to not exist eventually because you have solved yeah. the social problem mm-hmm. you seek to solve um, in theory. But then there's often groups that will actually either solve that problem and then come up with another problem, which is fine because maybe they have the capacity and the resources to be well equipped to solve another problem or they're just not hitting or solving this thing ever and using older ways of thinking and not updating those ways of thinking. So they're just kind of getting in the way and they're sometimes taking away opportunity and funding from groups that are actually on the ground solving the problems. So either they should be partnering with those groups yeah, or having real conversations around like, are they still relevant? And is this the best way of solving this problem? But I mean, that's never going to happen. I think anything can happen. Yeah. People can evaluate themselves and and nonprofit groups can do the same. I think so. I just think that when it comes to politics and funding, people well, sort when of When it's giant companies especially or organizations, then it's more difficult. Yeah. People of influence and they sort of step back and say, "Well, wait a second, you know, my reputation is on the line here, so we're going to keep this thing floating even though it doesn't completely make sense it usually is not black and white like it doesn't not make sense or completely make sense but there's yeah. usually somewhere in the middle where like this is kind of like an old school way of doing this but it works enough for us to get our key donors involved so let's keep that going i know this got this sort of side side tangented into yeah, like a very no, that's okay. intense like critical yeah. nonprofit conversation that's okay you have the experience you can yeah talk about it well i'm just it's my own perspective. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's the right or wrong way, but I just of think course, we need to yeah. challenge nonprofit sector more and challenge the leaders in the sector to challenge themselves mm-hmm. and actually be more self-reflective than just like, did we hit our budget this year or did we not? It should be more like, are we doing the thing we're telling the people in the public that we're doing? Um, or are we at least getting closer mm-hmm. to doing that thing? versus just repeating this fundraising machine that just makes donors happy but doesn't actually get closer to solving that social challenge yeah. you know and i'm not saying the social challenges need to be solved nor do i mean that you know but are you putting betterment towards the cause that you actually exist to address yeah this is an intense thought but i don't know how i you put a microphone in front of me and now I, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, okay. I'd be willing to have a conversation with anyone mm-hmm. I thought was doing that. But it's also just a voice to hear it if you think mm-hmm. you're that person. Not taking the time to self-reflect. Like, take a moment. Go away or do what you need to do to, like, connect with yourself. And yeah. be honest about it, you know? Like, I wouldn't have done Unity for 10 years if I didn't see the impact. If I didn't, like, not only visually but through, you know, evaluations and... through people I've met young people I've seen grow up and now come back as teachers and alumni Mm -hmm. and like actually run programs get hired through us uh and them telling me one-on-one like how unity like impacted their lives like and then also through quantitative metrics but yeah I wouldn't have been doing it for 10 years I would have stopped within year two um so just that self-check and now I'm even stopping because I realize maybe someone else's vision might be good to mm-hmm. to steer this ship in a new direction right so um hopefully that's like a message to other people starting their own things that they can you know knowing when to step back and when to step forward yeah it's really important and we only sometimes as sort of ego driven leaders think step forward step forward because that's what we're used to but like sometimes stepping back gives space for someone else yeah you know um i hope that i speak mostly from a place of personal experience yeah generally speaking because yeah i feel like i got nothing else to really say except what i've seen or what i you know yeah and you've experienced quite a bit because you've had to reach out to so many different people while you were creating this organization and running it so yeah and sometimes i'm like really impressed and i meet the best people but sometimes mm-hmm. i'm really frustrated and i'm like oh oh that's the way it's been and that's the way it's going to continue to be until yeah. new leaders come up and through the system right 
Um, but we're not really training those leaders properly. So mm-hmm. I don't know where they're going to come from. So maybe you guys or whoever's <laughs> out there, like we need to, yeah. to get some new leaders in the sector. And there's some great ones. Some of the mm-hmm. best people I've ever met in my life are leaders in our sector. But also, you know, we're not sort of training the next generation of leaders in the nonprofit sector. So, so how would you help change that? I guess through well, workshops or I might I mean I'm down to spend time with anyone to, yeah. if they're interested and capable yeah. and you know driven to do that mm-hmm. uh, and I do spend a lot of time with people I spend a lot of time one-on-one meeting young people or people of all ages who are like driven to do something mm-hmm. in the social sector and just kind of like shooting the shit with them and saying like look what do you want to do how do you want to do it what are your barriers how can mm-hmm. I help if at all? And sometimes I can't necessarily help, yeah. but I find generally just having another person as a sounding board is a good start, like sort of two way mentorship where I'm learning from them and they're learning from me. But it's like this symbiotic like connection that you're like, whoa, just bouncing these ideas off of a mm-hmm. complete stranger who isn't a funder or a, you know, someone who's directly invested, a staff member, just a complete stranger who just has a lot of opinions <laughs> mm-hmm. but has also experienced some of this stuff we really vibe and create those trusted relationships so i think that ultimately that might be another part of my next chapter is like creating some sort of way of bringing together nonprofit leaders who can have a conversation okay sometimes a confidential conversation that like mm-hmm. they can just feel like they can ask those questions that you really can't ask anyone especially if you're the leader of that organization like there just are some questions you can't ask anyone and you're like well i guess i gotta figure this out myself yeah um but you don't and and there are people it's just hard to develop a relationship where you can like trust in someone who with like your most personal scary secrets of like Mm -hmm. shit i gotta make a decision and it's all on me and if i screw this up you know i don't know what's gonna happen to the organization tomorrow right so you really care about those decisions. So anyways, I would love to sort of, you know, be a sounding board for anyone mm-hmm. who needs it. And maybe even in a more formal way, like one day, you know, create a network of people who are just like peer mentors or something like that. For people who have to make those decisions, what advice would you give them? Well, just trust in, your, in yourself. Okay. And... Uh, I mean, assuming you've been doing this mm-hmm. for a couple of years or months or however long you've been doing it, I always think like whatever brought me this far mm-hmm. was right. Yeah. So trust in what my decision making process has been up until now to make this important decision. Okay. And, you know, you never know, like you can't control the future. So like, yeah, you can't beat yourself up about like things you can't control in the end. It's just it, it's impossible. Like. If something really bad happens and bad things happen all the time, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in, in life, it's just like, how do you respond to that and, and take it in? And for me, it was always, OK, I'm a logical person. I'm going to just trust I got this far somehow. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use the same process to making that decision, whether it's asking a mentor or even just writing it down and then make that decision and mm-hmm. trust that it will be OK. <laughs> yeah. Even if it doesn't end up being OK, which it several times didn't work out Mm -hmm. um and in that sense the real sort of like lesson for me out of that was just persistence like do it again and again and again until Mm -hmm. like it works you know um and that's really what got me through like some of the more difficult times and also like what made uni successful when Mm -hmm the odds were against us so persistence like ridiculous unwavering persistence okay nice that's a good lesson yeah i mean it worked for me yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 nice yeah so that's this was cool awesome yeah hopefully i didn't scare all of you people away from the non it's really a cool place to be yeah you should join the nonprofit sector and it's awesome and it's scary but everything's scary Mm -hmm. it's just uh, there's a sense of reality that sometimes we don't have when we 
get involved in doing good things and mm-hmm. that's what i try to bring i'm not trying to be a jerk i'm just trying to be like this is kind of what you think you're signing up for and this is like really some of the things you may experience along the way yeah yeah because it's good to have like beautiful good ideas and go with great intentions but yeah of course we live in this world not everything is rainbows and unicorns so yeah i love optimism Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of it but i also am like secretly or at least through this not so secretly like (laughs) a very big pessimist of everything okay so it's like you're kind of like you know I assume it's not good until I see it's good, mm-hmm. which is a bad characteristic of mine, but that's helped me also work through some of the more difficult issues because I'm like testing things before okay. they see the light of day in a sense. Okay. Yeah. And people too. I like kind of try to push and be like, so why are you really doing this? You know, okay. or, you know, and then yeah. you get a response. So, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. No, no. <laughs> But it's good because every, like, even the people listening, everyone has different personalities, right? Some people are, see the positive always. Some people don't. Some yeah. people are in the middle. Like, it's normal. We're humans. So it's good to have different perspectives. Totally. And that's what makes the world amazing. And, like, mm-hmm. I would probably frame it for me more as cautiously optimistic. Okay. So I'm very optimistic, but mm-hmm. very cautious. And I'm just kind of like preparing for anything as. I'm hopeful that things will go well, you okay. know, because if I'm too optimistic, I end up getting led down an alleyway and, you know, then <laughs> it just doesn't go well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And where can people find you on social media? Uh, yeah. If you want to connect on Instagram, mm-hmm. it's at B-Boy Pieces with a Z at the end. Um, on Twitter, same thing um unitycharity.com yeah you can't connect with me there anymore but yeah please please check it out it's it's an amazing thing and and then on social media is it all at unity charity at unity charity no spaces no funny spelling okay (laughs) okay awesome yeah 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 awesome okay well thank you so much thank you this has been my best life podcast with flavia badia and b-boy pieces aka mike (laughs) thank you awesome That's cool. Thank you. That was awesome. That was very philosophical.